Good morning, everyone, and happy post-Thanksgiving. Not sure if anybody's had sandwiches yet, turkey sandwiches, burritos, tacos. <laughs> Aurelia and Al and I just uh, got in last night. We went down to El Paso and to Juarez um, and spent Thanksgiving on the border uh, with family. It was a good time and, and glad to get back in safe last night. Before we start um, and talk about Thanksgiving and, and God's Word, would you just join me in prayer for a minute, please? Lord, I'm thankful for you. Yeah, I'm thankful for you. I thank you, Jesus, that you came and intervened in my life and rescued me. And I thank you for being here this morning. I ask you to stand against the enemy who would confuse us and diffuse us and bring us together and spend some time with you and your word and worship and prayer. I ask you to speak to our hearts and, and speak through me and I'd only say what you want to say. And I praise you that we can be here this morning and we're thankful for that. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, Thanksgiving, one of the most popular and the most popular probably traveled holiday in all of U.S. Um, culture. Uh, it's the, we found that out as we were traveling this week. Uh, you get on, <laughs> get on any kind of plane, there's always lines to wait in. You wait in lines to get to the bus stop to get to the, uh, from Logan Express to get down uh, to the uh, to the airport, and then you wait in lines to go through to get your bags checked. You wait in lines to get in and go through TSA. You wait in lines to get on the plane, and you hurry, 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 and then you wait, right? Um, that wasn't the way the first Thanksgiving was probably outlined. And when I looked it up in the dictionary, uh, online dictionary, that I should say, uh, when I looked it up, Thanksgiving is really defined in two different categories. And I feel like I'm just offset here. Uh, it's defined in two different categories. So one category has to do with our national holiday, right? The idea about its rich history and the pilgrims right here in Plymouth, Massachusetts in 1621, uh, the first great good bounty of harvest they have, and, and they had a Thanksgiving celebration. And there's a whole definition around that and what that is. And we celebrated that this week. Um, we've evolved it to make it other things, but it's that holiday that we still reflect on back all these years later. Uh, I saw some reports of some people that are not from our country, from the United States, uh, that don't celebrate Thanksgiving. They actually were here uh, during the holiday spending some time with some friends, and they said, this is one of the greatest traditions. I'd like to take this back to my home country. Uh, it's just something that everybody would sit around together and take time out and, and just be thankful uh, in that kind of sense. It was a, a good kind of sense and holiday. Well, the other idea, yeah, the definition of Thanksgiving, is really around the word, and what does the word mean? And uh, it was interesting to me as I started looking at all the definitions, online, secular definitions, not the Christian dictionary for how to define a word, that most of them all have an idea of expressing gratitude towards God as part of the definition. I thought, that's curious. Uh, that's still part of that makes it up. For example... Uh, one of the definitions was it's the act of the, or expression of gratitude, especially to God. Another one was giving thanks and grateful acknowledgement of benefits or favors experienced, 
especially from God. A third definition was, it's a prayer expressing gratitude. And a fourth one was, it's a public acknowledgement or celebration of divine goodness. Now, I'm not implying that being thankful all has to do with giving thanks towards God or about God, or it's all associated with the divine. But we do give thanks to others in many different ways, and we're thankful for them and thankful for their lives and thankful for things that have been done. But in the context of the worldview of the, of the first pilgrims that were here, their idea of thanksgiving was that though it's been given in the hands of God uh, through us, through others, it's been given by the hands of God to us. And they wanted to express thanks to the Lord for that. Well, thanksgiving comes in a lot of different ways, and um, some ways we don't anticipate. And I've asked uh, a few people to help me this morning just to give a, their expression of what, how they're thankful and some things that have gone in their lives for a few minutes. So the, the first person I've asked to come up is Susan Little. If you'd come on up and join me. Yeah, that's okay. Let's give her a hand. I'm just going to let you tell, tell them what's on your heart. Jeff asked me to come up and talk about being thankful. That's so easy for me here in this church. Three years ago, I walked in here and my life totally changed. I came to know Jesus. I am incredibly grateful because I found such a profound joy I never knew existed. I also found the love, support, and friendship of many of you here. Because of that joy and my connection to Jesus, I want to give back share his word and his works. For the last year, I've been volunteering with Daniel's Table. The founders, David and Alicia Blaze, are working towards ending hunger in Framingham. While out with David, one night feeding the kids, he asked me what I wanted to solve. I thought about it for a moment, and homelessness came to mind. He said, okay, then solve it. I looked at him like a deer caught in headlights and said, I'm just one person, what can I do? He thought about it for a moment and said, let's break it down. Why don't you help one homeless person for one year? I thought about it, prayed on it, then was sure this was a great opportunity to make someone's life better. At the Salvation Army in Framingham, we found a homeless woman that wanted to be helped. She also had a boyfriend and they were inseparable. So David offered to join me. Together, we have committed to helping them with their basic needs, including food, clothing, and shelter for one year. I feel it isn't just about giving them things. It's about the one-on-one -on -one contact, letting them know that they are cared for and that they are loved. Our hope is that they are not starving and freezing so they can focus on making their lives better. We were able last week to give out 19 new coats and boots to people who lived on the streets in Framingham, but we couldn't do it alone. We had generous donations from a church in, Framingham, in the Framingham area, Daniel's Table, and some of my friends to make this happen. I can tell you that they were so thankful and excited when trying on the coats and boots. This was a life-changing moment for them and for me. I could feel Jesus touching each one of them, infusing them with a bit of joy. I am excited for this journey I am on. 
The project through Daniel's Table is called Helping John and Jane. I have so much more to share, but my time is up. <laughs> if you are interested in learning more or supporting this ministry, I would love to talk to you. I have cards with me today, so if I'm talking to somebody out in the lobby, just tap me on the shoulder. It has my, e uh, my email address, and if you get in touch with me, I would love to reach out to you. I would also like to share that David and Alicia are here today. If you guys could stand up for a moment. They're from Daniel's Table. And if you, they have a lot of exciting things going on with Daniel's Table, and they would love to share that with you. So please talk to them afterwards also. Thank you for your time, and God bless you. Thank you, Susan. Thank you so much. Thank you. The next person I'd like to come up and, and share what she's thankful for is Lily Borst. Lily, can you come on up? Hi, um, my name is Lily. So uh, about two months ago, I found out that I was going to need brain surgery because my brain was pressing on my spinal cord and caused a cyst inside my spinal cord. So um, I found out because I was having arm pain and my pediatrician didn't know what it was, so she kept pushing and pushing for an MRI, um, which is that I ended up finding out. And I'm really thankful that she kept pushing because otherwise I would have still been having a lot of pain. Um, and then she also recommended an awesome doctor and he knew what he was doing. And um, he was really funny and made me really comfortable with having surgery. So um, I am not comfortable with surgery, which probably no one is, but somehow God gave me amazing peace and I wasn't nervous. I was just, I knew it was going to happen and I knew I was going to be okay. And I'm so grateful that God gave that to me. Um, so I also, um, I thought the surgery was going to be the hard part and then recovering was just going to be a breeze. Um, like irritating, but whatever, it'll be done quickly. However, that was actually not the case. It was a lot harder than I expected. Um, but when I was in the hospital, um, I felt a hand on my shoulder and I thought it was my mom. But I looked around and my mom was sleeping next to me and I really believe that that was angels and God was with me. So that was super cool and I'm really thankful for that. Um, so I love sports and because of the surgery, I had to miss almost the whole soccer season, which I was super bummed about. Um, but I found out that I get to go back to sports two months earlier than um, they expected. So tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow I will be starting basketball. Um, I still have some limitations, but I'm so thankful that God has allowed me to do that. Um, the Surgery went 100% well. Everything went as it was supposed to. Um, I still have headaches and some pains, but I, um, I'm really thankful for everyone here who was praying and visited me and brought me gifts and just really showed love for me because it was amazing. And um, I know it's not over, but I know has, God has a really good plan for my life. So thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you, Lily. And then Janine Panicelli, can you still, can you make it up? Yeah. So again, we have some public acknowledgments, a celebration of what it is to be thankful. And ask Janine to come up. Thank you, Fran, for helping her get here. We'll just do it from here. Is that okay? Yeah. Good morning. Um, That's probably my least favorite thing to do, but um, Jeff asked me um, if I would share, and so um, I have a lot to be thankful for, so it was easy to say yes. Um, But I wanted to start off with um, Philippians 4, um, 6 and 7. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And um, I've read that scripture many times in my walk with God, but um, I, the day of my accident, I was praying, and I was thanking God for all my blessings, and thanking God that um, that he blesses my husband and I, and I thanked him that his mercies are new every morning, and his faithfulness is so great, and I was thanking him for holding me in the palm of his hand, and, um, and then within two minutes, I was hit by a car head-on. So um, I think God was preparing my heart to remember all those promises. And um, and the crazy thing about the day was um, that I was so alert. I'm the, initially, I was pinned in the car pretty tightly, so I was that was painful, but I was just alert the whole day. And I, um, I remember thinking, um, I knew right away I had broken my arm and um, wasn't sure about my right leg, but um, right away there was a, a man with scrubs standing by my window, and he held my hand and was trying to comfort me and saying, don't move, and of course I'm moving because I need to get out of my seat, but um, I think I just knew in my heart I was okay. Um, but he, he stood with me and just held my hand and waited for the police and the firemen to come. And um, and then they, um, they had to cut me out of the car and pull me and um, to get me into the stretcher. And um, so you have to give me the hook, okay? Because that's a long story. But anyway, um, I remember people say, now, um, were you frightened? Did you feel the pain? And, and I wasn't frightened the whole day. I had such a peace, that, that peace that passes all understanding. And when they pulled me out of my, the car, I remember thinking, I knew once they pulled me that my leg was broken, and I'm thinking, oh, I could feel it, and thinking, oh, that can't be good. And um, and then when I was in the ambulance, the EMTs were talking to me, and the entire time, 
I kept saying, thank you, God, thank you, God. Like they would tell me, oh, this is good, this is good. And I kept saying, thank you, God, thank you, God. And and um, one of the EMTs later on, I found out, went back to the fire station and said, the whole time she's saying, thank you, God. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? <laughs> so, um, but um, I, I always think of, you know, you hear the stories about God's tapestry, and we always kind of relate it to looking up at the tapestry from underneath, and it doesn't look like anything. But I felt like God gave me like a glimpse of the top that day. Like I could see his hand weaving people in and out of my life throughout the day. Um, so I could see his hand in everything. I had um, my little rooftop angel, Steve Snow, um, when they air flighted me to Boston, Steve Snow was on the roof working, and he found out that I was being med flighted. He didn't know where, and he he's a big burly hunter guy, if you don't know him, and, and he dropped to his knees and started to pray for me, and, um, and one of his co-workers came over and asked if he was okay, and he said, yep, I'm just praying, and and that coworker ended up having children at at Whitensville Christian where I teach, and he was getting texts too that a teacher was hurt. And um, and then I had um, a um, young intern come into my room and was asking me how I was doing and told me this wonderful story about how he had just come back from California from an internship and he stayed at an Airbnb. And actually stayed with my sister, and so he um, he said, "I'm just really texting your sister to tell her how things are going." Um, but he was there, and um, I had um, a young girl that I grew up with was part of the anesthesiologist team, and another woman from my town was in charge of rehab, and um, I just the intern or. Uh, they had med-flighted me to Boston because they thought I had internal injuries. And when I got, when Franny got there, they said no, no brain, no spinal, no internal um, injuries. The rest can heal. And um, I just felt like God had me in the palm of his hand. And that's why my core was saved, you know, and spared. And um, my surgeon was a gifted, phenomenal surgeon that I only got because they thought I had internal injuries. And um, he um, was so brilliant that he um, has invented his own equipment to work on people. And he asked me if he could use his own equipment. And I remember thinking, you, you invented your own equipment? You must be brilliant. <laughs> so I said, sure, go ahead. And, uh, and and now everyone that sees me says, did you have Dr. Tornetta? He's brilliant, isn't he? And um, and I just know that was the hand of God. And and then when I went to rehab, to the, the doctors and the nurses, patients, I got to pray with so many people there. And people kept saying, you're so joyful all the time. But it was just because truly the peace of God, you know, sustained me through this whole time. And and um, I've only shed a couple of tears. And that was when I started to get anxious about the length of my recovery and some things that are, might take a while. Um, but I, um, 
I just, like I said, I felt like God had just shown me and, um, himself throughout the day and throughout this process so far. And um, I'm so grateful for all your prayers. I know your prayers have lifted me up and sustained me through this whole thing. Um, and I know that's why I have come through so quickly, quicker than the doctors have anticipated. And um, I'm just grateful. So thank you so much for everything. Thank you. I just I want to show you one thing that just happened the last couple of days. Thank you for coming up and sharing. Everyone, God is good. He's good all the time. Would you just close your eyes for a moment with me? Much like Susan and Lily and Janina, I'm sure there's something that you're extremely thankful for right now. Maybe it's the person sitting next to you. Maybe it's for some other thing, I don't know. Maybe it's just for your relationship with the Lord. Would you just give thanks to God in your heart right now to Him? Just lift that up. Place of thanksgiving right now. Yes, Lord, you hear all these prayers. They're all coming up to you all before your throne. We're thankful, Father, for so many things. You're the great provider. You are the one who provides for us and sustain us and give us strength and helps us through all things, and we praise you. We want to be a people of thanksgiving and praise to you, and so we lift these up to honor you, and we thank you for what you've done for us. May our lives be a place that would glorify you in what we do and what we say and even what we think. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, it's a little hard to follow something like that because many of you know all their stories and what God's been doing in their lives and what you've just been giving thanks for in your own heart. Um, but I'd like to take us through a story in Scripture. Uh, a Thanksgiving story in Scripture. Uh, not one that I've ever heard preached on, on Thanksgiving time, because I think it takes a little out of bounds. But would you, if you have a Bible uh, or an app, uh, and I will have it on the screen for us, I'm going to be in Luke chapter 17. We're going to Luke chapter 17, and in starting verse 11. Luke 17 and verse 11. We find Jesus in the very tail end of his three-and-a-half-year um, mission here on earth and his ministry here on earth. And he and his disciples and followers are starting to move from the outskirts in towards Jerusalem, even at the objection of his own disciples we'd see in John, like, oh, why are we going up there? This is not going to be good. 
And in verse 11 of Luke's account, um, in, verse, in chapter 17, as Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. And as he entered a village there, ten lepers stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Let me just stop there for a minute. Having a degree in microbiology, I can't stop but think and talk to you a little bit about leprosy. It's something that we don't see typically now around, but at one point, um, just a, several decades ago, there were millions of folks with leprosy around the world, and there's still a, a huge problem. There wasn't even a, uh, a treatment for it medically, only by really divine intervention would there be healing from leprosy. Uh, itself caused by um, um, a microorganism that sometimes would take up to 20 years for symptoms to show. It affects your skin and your peripheral nerves under the skin, your upper respiratory tract, your eyes. It is a devastating, deforming, and humiliating disease that's been known through much of mankind. And so Jesus comes to the outskirts of this town and to this village, and he's confronted by ten lepers, not one, but ten. Now, one can make a noise, and one can you can kind of distract, and, and we've seen and been around with things like one issue is, but ten people gather, ten people, ten lepers, if you will, created quite a stir. And the New Living Translation we just read out says they're, they're crying out, verse 13. Um, some of the other versions uh, might say they raised their voices. They called out in a loud voice, as in unison. They approached at a distance because the Levitical law required it to be that way, that they couldn't approach. They were ceremonially unclean. Here's what the account said in Leviticus, the instructions for those who had a skin disease. Those who suffer from a serious skin disease must tear their clothing and leave their hair uncombed. They must cover their mouth and call out, unclean, unclean. As long as this serious disease lasts, they will be ceremonially unclean. They must live in isolation in their place outside the camp. In the political correctness of our own world, I can't tell you how many things that just violated uh, by the way we would perceive things, but that was the instructions to separate someone who had a skin disease that could be, uh, could be contagious if, if some uh, mucus and fluids were contacted and spread. It was a way to stop the spread of that disease with no sense of ability of recovery except a divine intervention. And for the rest of your mortal life, you're separated from everybody you know, contact everybody, and the only people you can gather around are really other lepers. You get the picture? So now we have 10 coming up. They can't come close to Jesus, and so they're standing at a distance as far back as maybe Rod is at the back of the uh, auditorium right now, or even further, and they have to shout out to Jesus, 
they get his attention. A crowd's moving in and they call out to him. All ten call out together and they're calling for Jesus. Master, Jesus, have mercy on us. Here's another interesting fact. He calls out that one of them was a Samaritan. We, We have nine Jews, fellow brothers of Jesus, so to speak, and the disciples that are with him, and one Samaritan. Now, normally, in this time, in this culture, Jews and Samaritans had nothing to do with one another. The Jews viewed the Samaritans as being biracial, a mixed, a mixed kind of uh, culture of their own and their own blood, who might follow other gods and other things, and they were perceived as unacceptable. You feel the tension? You feel the tension? But that's all set aside. Disease and separation has humbled them to a point where they put that aside and together in one uniform voice, these ten call out together. We'll come back to that because that's an interesting part of this story. In verse 14, Jesus looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priest. I think he had to raise his voice. Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Now remember, we got this shouting conversation. And if you've ever done that with your kids, like they're downstairs and they holler from you from the basement and you're upstairs or, or you're hollering over them, you're trying to carry a conversation on, suddenly it frustrates you after a bit, right? Like, can we just get in the same room and, and talk about this? But we have this long distance conversation going on between Jesus and these 10. And something interesting happens. Because Jesus asked them to do something that they shouldn't do until they're healed. You see, because in Leviticus, that same chapter, chapter 13 and 14, that same section, the following are the instructions, the Scriptures say, for those seeking ceremonial purification from a skin disease. Should what you have disappear and suddenly go away, you can become ceremonially clean again. To do that, if you've been healed then you'd be brought to the priest who will examine them outside of the camp. So the priest would come outside of the camp to where this person is. Look, this place that I had you looked at last month is gone now. It's been healed. And the priest then could look at it, could examine it, and follow a process where that person could be received back in again into the culture, into the people, into the village, into his family. So Jesus calls out and he tells them, now this is after they've been healed. So Jesus calls out and they have to say, go, go to the priest. And as they're moving and walking away, here we find in verse 14, and as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. I find that interesting because they're there and they turn and walking away and it doesn't appear they actually got out of sight, out of distance of Jesus and of the people who've been watching. Uh, we, we're reading this story, but I want you to go in your mind's eye for just a minute. If you can imagine, you're standing there and you're hearing this long distance conversation back and forth. These people yelling at Jesus, have mercy upon us. And Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. And people could see them. 
hair unkempt. Their mouth and faces are covered. Their bodies are covered. You see, they're just moving outside like, oh boy, he's asked them to go to the priest. He's not going to want to see these guys. And they turn and as they're walking away and as they're leaving, something very miraculous happens. They're moving and walking away and they're healed. I don't know how it first physically, like, that looks good. My skin. And look at your face. Your, your nose, your eyes, I can see. I, who knows what that's going through. And these ten are healed. Verse 15. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus Shouting, praise God. Can you imagine the scene? The people have watched. They've seen this long distance conversation between Jesus and these ten. And then they see one turn around in the group. The other nine seem to be kind of collaborating and then moving on, but one's coming back to them. And as he's coming, maybe he's ditching that outer robe that he'd been covering himself with. He's unwinding that bandage that's been around his face and his head for so long. And he's coming back and he's approaching. And as people are seeing this, they're observing not the leper. They're observing a man who's cleansed and cleans his skin. Looks, and he's coming in. Can you imagine the crowd? I think it would have been that quiet. The crowd moves and separates, and the man walks right up to Jesus, and he's shouting, praise God, praise God. Who in this room would not be shouting, praise God, praise God? We heard some testimonies a while ago. People, thank you, God, thank you, God, thank you for what you've done. So one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back to Jesus, shouting, praise God. All were healed, but only one Samaritan, one returned, the Samaritan. It, this miracle has a double-level double, double level kind of cultural tension then, right? As being the main figure of the story outside of Jesus being the leprosy, the leper, the Samaritan who comes back, who's not one of the Jews, who wouldn't have necessarily followed the instruction of Le Levitical law, and he comes back to Jesus and says, praise God, praise God. The lepers themselves being already separated culturally because of their infirmity. The Samaritan, who for years of his life, whenever up until he contracted this, already felt the tension that he had biracially and culturally with, with others. I think it created shock among the people. And he comes back, someone who they would have thought of looks different, he comes back and he's praising God. And he's thankful to Jesus for what's just happened to him. Are you in the story? Can you feel the moment? Can you feel the tension? Verse 16. Reads on. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. What was a long distance interaction, now comes this man, I don't know if he walked back up actually, or if he would come running, 
you know, and set a land speed record to get back to Jesus. But he falls at Jesus' feet. He's been shouting, praise God, praise God, praise God. And he falls at Jesus' feet. Those that were at a distance at one point, he comes right in the middle and the crowd just moves apart. He's cleansed. He's clean. What a contrast. The ten at one point distance just moments ago. And now he's clean and he's clinging to Jesus' feet. Have you ever had one of those moments? Where you're so thankful for what God's done and what he's done in your life. He said, thank you, Jesus, and you just feel so close to him. Have you had that moment? Have you experienced those moments? Verse 17, Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Of course, he knew the answer to that one, right? Didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Jesus isn't speaking to the Samaritan. Jesus is speaking to everybody like, ah, why is he even close now? Suddenly, it's not about his leprosy. It's about possibly that he's a Samaritan getting close. How can you let that happen? He's not cleansed. What are you doing around him? What? And he falls at Jesus' feet. And Jesus, looking around, said, hey, where are the others? What would your first reaction to be? Where are the others? What, what's your first reaction? You turn and look. <laughs> you, you're looking. Are they coming? Are they right behind him? Are they, are they trying to get through the crowd too? And you see off in the distance, there they go, the nine. They're off, going, they're off leaving. And what we're left with is this crowd outside of this village with the Samaritan who moments ago had this horrible skin disease and now he's perfectly healed and cleansed and he's at Jesus' feet praising God. What a revelation that Christ values gratitude. What an interesting thing to see that Jesus appreciates him coming back. Jesus appreciates when we say thank you. When, when others walked away from healing, from what he's just told them to do, one comes back and is thankful. And we get a sense how Jesus appreciates our gratitude. And he seems to miss it when it's not expressed. Where, where is it? Where, where's the others that were healed? Where, where's the others that I touched? It's actually one of the things that we have to fight against. You can have things done, the blessings in your life, and forget to say, thank you, God. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. So thanksgiving, as by our web de definition of expressing gratitude, is seen in this man as he expresses a gladness to God for what he's done. Thank you, thank you, thank you. His praise, worship, his adoration of Jesus for what he's done and moved in his life, that sense of goodness, the glory of God. He felt that and sensed it right there. God has moved and done something for me. 
And now we have all kinds of reactions going on, not just with a man, but you have the crowd amazed at what he's done. And then Jesus speaks across all lines and all things in verse 19. He says this. And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Jesus' last words here invite a a little bit closer look because that word to stand up or get up, the early Christians would have recognized that word. The same word they would have used about he who stood up from the grave was resurrected. (laughs) Get up. This idea of being resurrected. You were once dead and separated and isolated from others, and now you're alive. You're with us. You can interact with us. You see, faith and healing go hand in hand. Sometimes we'll experience and see that healing in a physical realm. But Jesus spoke beyond just what with the physical realm here. Because he spoke across cultural lines. He spoke across many things. And he said, you're healed. He wasn't just speaking about the physical deformity of the disease. He said, you're made right with God again. You're resurrected again. <laughs> you're, you're received in. There was no discrimination from Jesus' peace on this. You're part of family. You who are separated are now made healed, made whole and healed. Not just outwardly, but inwardly. All his attitudes, all the other attitudes, all the people who were leaving there had a sense without a doubt that Jesus has spoke to a person who would have been outside of their cultural realm and said, you're part of the family. Our faith, the relationship that God wants to have with us, isn't known just for a specific group of people. It's not just meant for ones who are some kind of special class. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. That whoever believes will have eternal life. When we believe and see what Jesus has done for us, when you recognize that I was separate from Him. I was unclean because of my lifestyle, because of what I've done, because of the sin that was in my life, because of the ways I've missed my mark with God. And Jesus extended His arms out for me that I could have life. You see, that's what it means when Jesus went to the cross. Jesus went to the cross and He gave up His life, a life that we weren't to have because we've fallen short of God. And Jesus extends his hands out on the cross and he gives up his life for you and me. And we fall at his feet, if you will, today and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for giving me life. I want to invite our worship team to come back up. Our youth worship team. Yeah, I want to take a minute and just talk about that. Please give him applause. Give applause to the Lord is what I'd like you to do, because uh, for the last 
five years being involved with the youth. It's really been a desire of mine to have a youth worship group, and we've done a lot of things from YouTube videos <laughs> uh, to listening to this to uh, different things, haven't we, Mariah? Yeah, a lot, a lot of different things. And um, over the last year, uh, Brian Graves, our worship pastor, helped us get something started, and Rod Klinger and a couple other folks, and, and then Henning Smith. And this year, Rod, um, thank you. Uh, you, and Henning, thank you. They devoted a lot of time uh, to help these guys get to a place where they can lead worship. And so every Sunday afternoon, every Sunday evening, when we have youth worship group, uh, youth worship or youth uh, gatherings, they do their worship for us. And um, I believe they're ready to actually share that with you, and I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful for the youth in the back that are actually leading uh, and doing the sound and the system and everything. So if you give them all a hand... And I'm going to, yeah. And let's just pray over them right now. If you extend your hands to them, and I just say, Dear Lord God, thank you for being with us. Thank you for our youth. This is the next generation. This is the next generation. I just pray you'd lift them up and that we would stand up now and we'll worship you together with these guys in the glory of you, Jesus. Amen. Would you guys stand and let's worship together.